Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. Our first episode for this calendar year is with two Montessori authors who are coming out with a new book. Junifa Uzadeki and Simone Davies are co-authors of the book, The Montessori Baby, which came out in 2021. They are now about to release their new book, The Montessori Child, which will be available for purchase March 5th, 2024. They last spoke with Montessori in action in season two for episode two about their first book together. Now they've returned to share with us The Montessori Child. Welcome, Junifa and Simone, to Montessori in Action podcast. So happy to have you back. Yeah, Elizabeth, we're really excited to speak to you. Thank you for having us. It's so lovely to be back and see you again. Yeah, well, the last time you were on the podcast, you were actually dreaming up this very book that we're talking about today. And now here we are talking about it. What was the process from the idea, the seed idea, oh, we should do the Montessori child from then to now. Well, I'm happy to take this one because actually back in 2019, when I did a book tour for the Montessori toddler, already it was like planted as a seed when I went to a dinner with some Montessori friends and they're like, oh, you could do the baby, you could do the preschool, you could do the Montessori child. And Terence Milley was actually um, the one who said the Montessori child. I'm like, that's a great name. And he's a six to 12 um, elementary trainer. So that would have been the perfect person to write the book. But as it transpired, the publisher, um, when we pitched the idea, they said, there's really not in the marketplace a room for like this preschooler book and then a school age child book. So can you do three to 12 together? And we were like, that's quite ambitious. That's a lot of content. <laughs> um, so we submitted a manuscript for 130,000 words, which um, if anyone knows in book writing terms, that's probably like as twice as big as the Montessori toddler. So then the editor is brilliant. And actually we managed to not lose any of what we wanted to say um, and format it in a way that we still could include as much information as possible and not miss anything. So we're really delighted with how it turned out. Well, and there is so much in there. And that actually is a little insight into my next question, because I noticed immediately that you have first plane and second plane in there. Um, and it starts at three and goes to 12. This is so ambitious. So now I'm understanding um, the piece about the decision to have it follow that whole thing was more from the editorial feedback perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Junifa, do you want to add any thoughts about that? Sure. So initially we were looking at it more from, you know, kind of how we do in training where we look at the first, the three, three to six as one, um, section or one class or one group and then six to 12. But then as we started to write it, instead of looking at things and looking at it just from one, um, segment, it felt good to, or it felt, it seemed to us better to look at it and then look at how it moves from plane to plane. So attacking each idea or each subject to preparing the environment. What does the environment look like for a three to six year old? What are some of the changes that you would make as you go from six to 12, you know, or um, how does the child um, develop? What does social development look like starting from three to six and gradually making your way as it changes or as the child um, 
So we decided to look at the topics and just see how it evolves as the child moves through, you know, from three to six and then goes from six to nine and nine to 12. So instead of breaking each thing and then having to repeat, because there, there are many things that stay the same in the work that we do with the child. We still observe, for example, but maybe what, what we're observing might be different. We still prepare the envi environment. There's still order. What the child needs might change. Like order might look different. So we basically took the different topics and then looked at it as it's, basically evolves as the child grows instead of segmenting the three to six and six to nine and nine to twelve because if you think about it at home many parents have multiple children sometimes you have a child who's you know three to six and a child who's in the six to twelve group so when you read one chapter or you read about one idea you can read and see how it applies to all your children so um we basically had the ideas that we had when we started but as we started to write some things just seemed to make seem to make more sense in one way or the other way um, and we made the adjustments as we went along. Mm -hmm. And I felt as a reader, I made the adjustment as I went along also. Um, and I just want to say how much I appreciated that you talked about observing, because I do think that that is not a skill that is ever talked about or discussed or like that is grown um, in non-Montessori um, adults. And to actually name it as something to do that is incredibly valuable for coming to understand um, what's going on with your child. That was lovely. Um, and I'm glad you talked, Unifa, too, about pulling it all together because you, you have tackled so many rich topics throughout the book, right? Like moving from all the way from a section on toileting to talking about sex. I mean, you kind of cover a lot of ground there. I imagine there were pieces that you were like, should we, shouldn't we, or um, things you decided to mention but not go into. How was that in the writing process, determining where you were going to focus your your energy for the book? Um, it was really fun to plan this book because um, unlike the Montessori baby and toddler, which, you know, were kind of easy to define, I guess, in what areas we'd cover, um, it's much broader once you get a school-age child, the types of things that come up in the family. And so anytime we basically had this enormous Google spreadsheet that had kind of the chapters a little bit outlined what we might discuss. And then anytime I heard a conversation happening with my friends, for example, with a nine-year-old and they were having difficulty, I'd be like, ah, there's definitely a Montessori way to approach that. So I'd type it into the spreadsheet. Let's mm. tackle that topic. And Juniper would say, oh, this is what's happening in my house right now. So then we're again. So it was just real life examples. That's basically what this book is about. It's not a Montessori homeschooling mm -hmm. book. It's about how you do Montessori at home. And because it, it doesn't exist, this book, it doesn't, it's never been written before. So we also had to do our mm. research on like how would a Montessori yeah, person approach this in their house. Um, yeah, so um, I think it was a fun book to write because there was so much research and conversation and how it applies in real life and what feels respectful. Um, yeah, so that was a little bit of like how we came to 
decide which topics to tackle. And to be honest, I don't think there's anything we left out. We maybe just didn't go in <laughs> as detailed. We just said, these are the books that we've found useful. Here's some further yeah. reading because we can't be specialists on everything. And there's so many mm-hmm. amazing people who are specialists. For example, Britt Hawthorne, I mentioned her many times. We mentioned her, don't we, Jennifer, a lot in the book. And so to really go and then read um, Britt's book or something like that, where you'll go to be able to really dive into a, a specific topic. Or if you're looking Mm -hmm. at, like you talked about sex and things, so then we've also got resources on these are books that Montessori families have found helpful, Um, that kind of way of tackling it, as well as hopefully giving them enough information to get them started right now. Right, right. I know it. I noticed in each section was a really extensive um, reading list and also an extensive appendix of connecting to other activities and things to do. And I imagine given that you're both Montessori parents that, and I, I did notice, I loved that um, little anecdote that you shared, Junifa, which actually was from your classroom and not your family, but about um, the child's relationship with the truth um, and um, figuring out how to, how to be truthful and how to adults accidentally put children in a position to not be truthful. But anyway, there were so, so many like rich gems that you each pulled in from your, your own lived experience that drive the topics that it connects right with what you're saying, Simone, that it's, you know, by parents for parents, right? That it's by f- Montessori family for Montessori family. So this is your second book together that you've co-authored and all of the stories and the way you interweaved all of that experience of both of you sort of was seamless in the going, but was the process different this time, especially Junifa with you um, as an elementary trained guide? How, how did that work out this time? Um, it, it was similar in some ways and different in some ways um, with the first book, both of us are zero to three trained. Both of us sat in person and came up with an outline for how to write the book. And it just went from there. It was also during the lockdown. So we had more blocks of time available mm-hmm. to, you know, sit together and have all these conversations about the book. So with this one, most of the work, actually all of the work was done virtually. Um, I don't feel like there was a heavier writing load on me because I think that with Montessori and with parenting and just in general, you can bring theoretical knowledge, but you can also bring a lived experience. And Simone's um, children are 21 and 23. So she's definitely lived parenting children through all the planes. During the lockdown, she also took um, the AMI assistant trainings for zero to mm. four. Three to six, six to twelve, and the adolescents. So she she came with both that theoretical knowledge ah. and the lived experience, and I mm-hmm. came with my training and also the fact that I'm leading a classroom of children in this age group right now, and then my children were also <laughs> um, spread across three to twelve. But I think that just like in baby, we both bring. Um, rich knowledge and experience to the table. We have respect for each other. And I think that we have a deep respect for Montessori and have seen it from a teacher's perspective, from a parent's perspective. We both work with parents and so interact with them on a personal basis and really know what they're looking, you know, what their, what their questions are, or what they're yes. struggling with. Yes. And so together, I feel like, 
it's so amazing to work with someone who's kind of on the same frequency, you know. Mm-hmm. So we both bring mm-hmm. our strengths. Um, I like to think about it as a symbiotic relationship where we're like, mm-hmm. you know, reliant on each other. She writes her part, I read it, and I have some ideas. I write my part, she reads it, and she has some ideas. Often, I'm very theoretical in the way that my brain works. So sometimes I might write something and like make a, use a big Montessori quote. And she's like, ah, how can we make this in such a way that people can picture it, you know? And so we bring, we both brought our unique strengths to this process. I think that what both books had in common is that I mean, I can speak for myself. I really enjoyed the process and I cannot really imagine um, writing it with someone else because we really, we have a high level of respect for each other. And I think that that really reflects in the process that we go through to write the book. We both really love Montessori. We both really love children, ours Mm -hmm. and the children in the world. And so Mm -hmm. we bring that to the work as we are writing it. Um, So, yeah, I think those are some of the differences and the things that we had the same. We wrote, uh, again, about the same amount (laughs) of writing, but Mm -hmm. um, always supporting each other as we went through the process. Mm-hmm. Simone, anything to add on that? Well, I just think it's so fun because even though we're very different, we often think the same. So, for example, when we were designing the cover, um, I was sitting on a train mocking up like combinations of illustrations and we were feeling overwhelmed. So we put it aside and then Emma, um, Juniper woke up the next day and said, this is the one that I like. And I'm like, perfect. That's the one I decided on too. And it's out of like 15 images. And we always kind of seem to just fall back and think the same about things. Or if we needed to give feedback on illustrations, we'd pick up the same kind of ideas because there's so many specific things with Montessori like look at how they're sitting the child wouldn't sit yes. like that you know so we have to like mm-hmm. adjust and make sure that it reflects all the families and and all the different types mm-hmm. of children so um that it's just been a really fun collaborative process for sure definitely fun is what the word I would describe mm-hmm. well you've created a really unique book both uh, unique from a Montessori perspective but also unique from like a a, a parenting book perspective um, I actually have a, a secret hope that it makes it wild in the parenting book region. And people are like, what's this Montessori? It's in, that maps on to what I think and what I believe. Um, but do you want to just talk a little bit about how your book is different from other books? So I think that there are several ways that it's different from other books. One is that, um, most parenting books, I, I think they look mostly, or the focus is mostly on the adults, on the work that the parent does. But we look at it from the aspect, just like Montessori, mm-hmm. those three, like if you think about that triangle, we think about the environment that we prepare for the child, the adult and the work that you do. And then we also look at the child because they too have their own role to play. So I think that already makes it a little bit different. Um, we're also conscious of reflecting the diversity Mm -hmm. of ways that you can implement Montessori. There's not one way. So we often, we feature families from around the world and they share their, you know, share some of their experiences, share some pictures or some images of the way that they implement Montessori in their home. We're also very respectful 
in I I mean I hope mm-hmm. that that's what comes across. We're not prescribing. There are many ways to do things, and we're not. We don't want to judge the decisions right. or the choices mm-hmm. that people make in their parenting. We're showing different possibilities based on our experience, based on what we've researched, based on you know. Mm-hmm. Dr. Montessori's mm-hmm. findings, but again, always with the understanding and with the mm-hmm. with the um, notion that there's not it's not a fixed way. It's not you're not doing it the wrong way. This is this is one way that you can do it that could bring about right. positive um, outcomes. So those are some of the ways. I also think that it's really beautiful. Um, the way that it's laid out, the original design, which Simone and Hiyoko mm. put together. I just find that it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful to hold. It's beautiful to flip through the pages. Our illustrator did such a beautiful job of capturing the essence, you know, like illuminating our words with those pictures. So I think those are some beautiful. So those are some of the ways that I think it's different. Mm-hmm. Simone, do you, do you want to... Um, I think there's one other thing that really strikes me. Mm-hmm. Jennifer wrote this amazing chapter on activities and it was too long. And so unfortunately, we, we're like, we don't want to cut it either. We'll make it into an activities appendix, which was maybe going to have to sit online. But we managed to get it in the book. And what I love about the activities appendix is that there's no monster material required mm-hmm. to do any of these activities. They can just be from things around the home. And that was really important to us to make sure that Montessori is accessible to everybody That because sometimes people think you have to buy all these things to do Montessori. And it's like, no, that's not what Montessori is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's a really beautiful appendix that I think will be really valuable to families because, um, yeah, that people get stuck. They don't understand that also – like Juniper said about parenting books, they often focus on the adult. But with Montessori, we have how to set up the environment and activities that are going to challenge your child and meet their developmental needs. And that's never kind of covered in a parenting book. And that is how you get a peaceful child and a child mm-hmm. that can concentrate and a child that learns to be capable and, and all those kind of things as well. So um, I think that will be very useful. Yeah, the meaningful work. Um, it's funny because when I am ever preparing to do any form of professional development, including writing a book, I think, what do I want people to know and be able to do? And your book does this beautiful job of getting at what you were saying earlier, Junifa, about there's not one way. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking and seeing the child as somebody on the developmental continuum of developing and learning greater and greater independence but then you have in each section what can you do like some you know some actionable things to take away as well as what you were just describing Simone as the the big appendix of other kinds of to do um and so that's such a such a nice blend for people to get like oh I'm going to change my mind about how I'm thinking about this and how I'm seeing it and then here are some action items that I could do that will support that mindset shift. Oh, I'm glad that came through. So, you know, as a teaser at the end, you have this section on the third plane. So you open first plane and second plane at the front of the book, and then you you take us through um, the thinking about the Montessori child. And then you have this chapter. And, of course, my mind was like, oh, is this what we're going to be um holding or are we setting this up for the Montessori adolescent? 
<laughs> I'm happy to say that I made this chapter. I wrote most of the the monastery adole- the adolescent chapter um, because I we don't want to write another book, and so this is enough information <laughs> to keep you going. And there's also um, an online appendix, which is like a beautiful insight into life on the farm in the Erdkinder um, that's up in Sweden, so that you can really see what a monastery child is capable of in the adolescent community. Nice. Um, so there's a really comprehensive chapter. Um, I think it's about 20 pages or more on the adolescent um because mm-hmm. it, it's like what's next we don't want to leave you hanging and we don't want to write and like yes. i don't think we need to make you buy another book so we like really wanted to make it okay how does this look and how it's actually no different but there's obviously the child is different and so we need to keep adjusting how we're interacting with them but um it's still the same principles of loving that child observing that child respecting that child mm-hmm. um but also I think the thing that I took away most, the difference between the lived experience of raising my adolescence and following the 12 to 18 training was realizing how the preparation, they're, they're really being an adult in that third plane and we're not giving them adult mm-hmm. responsibilities. And yes. how could that look at the in the home environment? It's not just about the home, but actually like, could they be involved in a project that's bigger than themselves? How can they get meaning to their life? Because there's a lot yeah. of um, anxiety and depression and feeling isolated isolated but how can we be in community and find something that we're passionate mm-hmm. about and give back in that way so maybe if they were really passionate about the environment they could join a group that was raising money for or doing research or you know um, attending demonstrations together or feeling something meaningful or if um, if you were into refugees you could maybe um, do some translation services for refugee families in your community so there were so many ways that an adolescent can add meaning to their life in the home environment or in like when they're not in school that will help that child to grow and support their development. Mm-hmm. And Juniper, as you mentioned, families are reading the book and they have children of all different ages. I was lucky enough to have a point in parenting where I had first plane, second plane, third plane among my three children, right? So that chapter really answers that question of like, I have a 13 year old or a 14 year old or 15 year old, like, should I be doing what I'm doing in this book? And it kind of adds some, some nice, um, texture to, um, the foundational piece that you have laid in the Montessori child. Yeah, I think that people also just want to know what how it's going to look in the next plane so it doesn't leave them hanging. And even if you don't have, like when we were talking about each chapter, so say you took um, the chapter on... I'm setting up the home. You may only have a three-year-old child right now, but it's nice to know where you're going to be growing to because then you can look at the furniture, for example, that you might invest in that's going to be useful for the later ages and, and things like that. So um, I think that even if you don't, as if you're not as lucky as Elizabeth and didn't have children in all planes at the same time, people like to know where they're moving towards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just curious about what was the most fun part of this project for the two of you sort of seasoned co-authors um what was what was it for you that brought the joy to this project for me i think that my children were in this stage so they were with three of my children at the time now i have four but three of them were between three and ten while we were writing this book so i really enjoyed 
observing them even more, mm-hmm. you know, like noticing mm-hmm. and noticing the things that, oh, I wonder if a parent would be interested in this or um, I want, like, this is an interesting story to share or it just invited me. I, I tried to observe them, but mm-hmm. it really invited me to observe them with more intention um, and just notice that they were all in this stage. I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed working with Simone again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a joy this entire process but i learn from her because her children are older Mm -hmm. than me than my children not older than me (laughs) her children are older than my children and so i i just Mm -hmm. also love hearing Mm -hmm. her share stories of them when they were my children's age and also hearing about what they're doing now and just being able to anticipate and look forward to um Mm -hmm. you know the possible joys of the different stages and she always says you know how how we enjoy every stage because every stage is beautiful in its own way so i enjoyed that with um with regards to writing i really enjoyed writing the um setting of the home chapter it just was such a practical relatable chapter it involved everything that i love you know aesthetics making it beautiful thinking about the kitchen thinking about how to involve your child in family life so it was that was the i didn't it just came naturally to me and i really enjoyed it Simone, how about for you? What brought the joy in this project for you? Well, all of the things that Juniper said, I mean, working together, I think we've touched on that a a lot. And then practically writing the book, I actually, the hardest chapter and the most fun was chapter seven, which is like answering all the practical questions that come up because it, it didn't exist. So I had to do lots of research and it was really exciting to kind of reread that chapter and go, yes, this is so rich. And like anytime a parent's struggling, they'll just be able to open it up and say, okay, yeah, when do I step in? When don't I step in? Those kind of things. Or there was just a lot of questions that I heard my friends talking about and or or a family in my class would say, oh, this is what's happening at home. Like, for example, my child's really interested in guns and I I don't know where they got this from, but like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, okay, well, we need to have a chapter on guns Mm -hmm. or on money, pocket money and different things like what are different people's approaches Mm -hmm. and and how might that look in a Montessori family? So Mm -hmm. um, there's religion. It it was just such a fun chapter to to really dive into. um, And I felt like I, yeah, uncovered even more about the Montessori approach that I love. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast to talk about this book. And we'll have some information in the show notes and on our website about where people can purchase your book. Um, And if there are other readings or events that you know of, we can put those on the website as well so people can connect into this beautiful work. Thank you so much. It's been a delight to be back. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, um, for sharing our work and for your work that you do for our community. It was lovely to be back with you, to chat Montessori with you again. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts.